I want to do an exegesis just on the, especially the first three readings that we had today. You don't usually see all the readings lining up with the same message that I think is really trying to be carried across by our church today. And it's all about the preservation of faith because the danger, the real danger of our life on earth is not so much the difficulties that we go through, even the sins that we struggle with. It's the losing of our faith. That's what I tell people. It's not so much like guys will come to me and they're, they're struggling with a sin and they just can't get over it or can't get it out of a bad relationship. The real temptation of the devil is not so much the falling into the sin, but the losing of faith and giving up along the way. And we see this with, in the first reading with Abram. Abram left everything when he was 75 years old to follow God into a country that he would show him with the promise that he would give him descendants. And we find him in this first reading in a place of waiting and of confusion of when is this going to come about? You know how long he had to wait in the desert before the, the fulfillment of the promise came? 25 years. 25, 100 years old, which is pretty impressive to have your first kid at that, that point. Um, <laughs> but it was like 25 years of waiting for that promise to come. And what we see in that first reading, God says, look up at the sky. And see if you can count all the stars and know that that is how your descendants will be. But the key line in that, we usually imagine him just standing up at nighttime and just trying to count all the stars up there. But a few lines later is the real revelation of what's going on here. It says, when the sun had set and it was dark, God made a covenant with Abram. So when he is standing there, he doesn't see any stars at all. All he sees is the blue firmament. And God is saying, you must trust that the fulfillment of my word is there. It's behind that. You just can't see it yet. You have to wait for me to bring about this promise. Have faith. In the second reading, St. Paul, he really compares two types of people. Those who live for this world and those whose citizenship is in heaven. And he said, those who live for this world live for their stomach, meaning their immediate desires, and their minds are occupied with earthly things. But what's fascinating to me, he ends up calling them enemies of the cross. Why would he call people living in this world enemies of the cross? Because the idea of sacrifice, sacrificing what is good for me here and now, if I do not have a firm faith in what I'm sacrificing for is crazy. That's why, I mean, celibacy in the priesthood is really under attack in our times because we've lost touch with eternity. We're no longer thinking that everything that we have in this life is for eternity. And one of the principal reasons for celibacy for priests and nuns is to be a sign of what is to come in eternal life. When we stop living by that faith, we start looking at how can I fulfill my heart here and now? And that's when the cross and sacrifice become illogical versus those who live with their citizenship in heaven. And St. Paul says, dearly beloved, I exhort you, stand fast in the Lord. Wait for the Lord. And isn't that, that's one of the hardest things about our faith sometimes. It's we recognize that so much of our life is a waiting for fulfillment and learning to live in the emptiness and incompleteness of our desires. One person told me that 
A mystic is someone who has learned to stay in the pain of unfulfilled desire. Knowing that the fulfillment will come, but not right now and not how I want it. But if we have the faith that I am moving towards eternal life, if I'm living by that promise, then I won't be an enemy of the cross. I won't be afraid to suffer now for that future reward. And the gospel is the culmination of these readings where Jesus, he brings the disciples, his three beloved disciples, Peter, James, and John, up Mount Tabor. And he's transfigured before them. And he says that he's talking to Moses and Elijah who represent the prophets, the the prophets and the law of the Old Testament about his exodus. What does that word exodus refer to? Let's get a little Baptist right now in this church so you guys can wake up. What does that word exodus refer to actually? His passion and death, his suffering. So exodus actually comes from the word exit in Hebrew. And so with it's, it was used with the Israelites when they had to exit out of Egypt, out of slavery to find freedom with God. And Christ's exit is from life into death. So he's talking to the Old Testament prophets about his own exit from this life into death for our salvation to free us, not from Pharaoh and slavery in this world, but from the devil and slavery to sin. And the reason that Jesus took them up this mountain was to strengthen their faith, was to remind them that even though he's about to go up another mountain, Mount Calvary, where his whole body will be disfigured and he will truly die as man, to have faith that he is God. He gave them that vision to strengthen them. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie. Hopefully you've seen The Passion of the Christ. Every Lent, I really suggest you watch it. We're going to watch it here on Good Friday, so you're more than welcome to join us for that. But there's a scene in it. It's really beautiful. Um, You only can really catch it if you've seen the commentary. Mel Gibson talks about what he was thinking here. And when Christ has been nailed to the cross, they're on Calvary. You remember the moment when they flip the cross over? What happens when they flip the cross over? He hovers. Have you ever wondered why he's hovering above ground when they flip him over? And they do that so they could pound the nails over and just torture him more. But the whole focus of that scene is actually on Mary Magdalene. And you see Mary Magdalene before that shot happens, and she's hysterical. She's just falling apart on Calvary. But it was revealed to Anne Catherine Emmerich, a mystic who had many visions of the Passion, that Christ in that moment, when he was flipped over to be tortured, he allowed her to see him hovering above the ground. And that's why you see it from her perspective. And all of a sudden, a great serenity comes over her because she realizes he's allowing this to happen to her. So he gave her a vision of that hovering crucifix, of that hovering cross, to show her that he was in control and to strengthen her faith. And then after that moment, you see her for the rest of the time, she's no longer bawling and crying and losing herself. She's serene at the foot of the cross. So God will do this to us, give us these lights in the midst of our waiting to show us, I am in control of my own suffering and of your suffering. 
I know what you're going through, but you have to have faith in me. He gives us these moments of illumination so that we do not lose our faith when Calvary comes. So what does this tell us about life, about the nature of life? It's that life is a test of faith, of waiting for every single one of us. And in that time of waiting, St. Paul tells us we can become one of two people. We can become like those who lose faith and start seeking the fulfillment of their desires right here on earth. Or we can stand fast in the Lord and claim our citizenship in heaven. And what reveals who we are is how we're responding to the cross of Christ. Am I resenting the cross that the Lord has put into my life and trying to flee from it? Or am I embracing it with faith, with hope, that no matter what I go through in this life, I know that the Lord will bring this to a resurrection as long as I hold on fast to him. And I want to offer you right now the greatest weapon that we have to maintain our faith in the midst of our waiting on this earthly journey. And that is the Holy Rosary. You know, I never, this actually means a lot to me because I got Phil Heldman back here and I was introduced by his father back when I was in college to the rosary. I was introduced to a lot of things. That was one of the good things that he introduced to me. I won't tell you about the other things. We were next-door neighbors, so we had a lot of time to share memories. Um, but he, uh, back when I was in college, he was the first one to tell me about praying the rosary. And I'd never prayed the rosary in high school or anything like that. It just wasn't something on my radar at all. And uh, it really got me when he told me about Our Lady of Fatima, the apparitions of Fatima in 1917. And Mary appeared to three shepherd ch- children, Jacinto, Francisco, and Lucia, and every time she appeared to them, she'd always be holding the rosary. And she'd always begin by praying the rosary with them before any spoken word. And for six months straight, she appeared to them in 1917 on the 13th of every month. And at the beginning, only uh, Lucia and Jacinta could see, him, see her. And they said, why can't Francisco see you or hear you? She said, because he doesn't pray his rosary. Tell him to start praying his rosary and he'll see me. All of a sudden he got on his knees and started praying the rosary and he could see her. He couldn't hear her, but he could see her. And they asked her, why did you come? And she said, I, want, I will take you to heaven and I'll tell you three secrets. And Lucia said, oh, will we all go to heaven? And she said, you will go, Jacinta and Francisco will go to heaven very soon, but you'll have to wait to spread devotion to my immaculate heart in the times that are coming. Jacinto and Francisco died two years after the revelations in 1919. Francisco's body's incorrupt now. All, they're both saints. Uh, Lucia lived until 2004 as a Carmelite nun. So that was immediately um, justified. But what she said was she promised them heaven, and she said, but Francisco would have to pray the rosary many times. And so he would... Just from that time on, he dropped out of school, which understandable. I got like a couple of years to live and I need to pray the rosary to go to heaven. I don't see any point of doing anything else at that point. So they said that he, he stopped doing anything else except like you'd go to the church and you just pray his rosary all day. Um, but then after promising them heaven, she then gave them a vision of hell. It was the second secret that she gave, that hell is real and many people are going there because there's no one to pray for them and because the church 
and which was really fascinating because at this time, everyone just knew that hell was something Jesus warned us about. And yet it was in the 20th century, years later, where hell was just almost disregarded. You stopped hearing Catholic churches talking about the reality of that. And some priests even trying to deny that it's a reality. And Mary said, showed him a vision of hell and said, pray for poor sinners who have no one to pray for them and see how many souls are lost because they're not being prayed for. And that's why at the end of the rosary, we got this prayer from Fatima. When we say at the end of the rosary, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell and lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thy mercy. And the third secret was in regard to societal breakdown that would come in the 1960s. She said, if my requests are not heeded, then Russia will be, if my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace on the earth. If not, she will spread her heirs throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. And the main heir in Russia at that time was communism. And so the heirs of communism, of atheism, of social Marxism spreading all over the world would happen if we didn't experience a conversion. So when I heard this for the first time, number one, if you haven't looked up Our Lady of Fatima, take some time today to just read about those revelations and the miracles that happened there. Because what I ran into was I couldn't deny it. I studied them vigorously and I thought, well, the Blessed Virgin Mary is actually appearing to us and saying the number one thing that I need to do to get to heaven is pray the rosary. What I came to realize when I heard about these revelations is that heaven is real and I actually want to go there. Hell is real. And by the way I'm living my life now in college, I'm probably going there. And if I, there's something I can do, just one thing to change my life right now, and it's the Holy Rosary, I'll try it. So I was used to listening to music all the time when I'd go to, to and fro from college. So I just made the resolution. I'll pray at least one decade of the rosary every day, which is like two minutes long. And then little by little, I started praying just one rosary a day. And the greatest thing that happened when I started praying the rosary is for once, I actually wanted to hear about Jesus. Like my desires changed. Before I hated church, I hated the scriptures. I said I believed in Jesus, but I didn't like any of it. I wanted the things of the world. And I especially hated suffering. Anything that would deny my hopes and dreams and pleasures in this world. But when I started praying the rosary, all of a sudden, I had this deep longing to be a saint. I had this deep longing to go to heaven. All of a sudden, my citizenship was being transferred from this world into the next. And secondly, I started recognizing my sins in my life. Because the greatest danger in our life is if you do not live what you believe, you will end up believing what you live. And Mary illuminates our minds and our hearts so that we do not believe what we live if it's a lie. And so I started seeing all the ways I was living and thinking about the world that were wrong. And I began to go to confession and convert my life. There's been nothing that more has transformed my life than praying the daily rosary. You know, one cool thing about this this, uh, gospel passage is it says when the the apostles were almost asleep, but when they saw Jesus Christ, they became fully alive. One thing that we've seen with uh, different, different mystics who've had apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary is that we use what, like less than 10% of our brains, right? 
Well, they've actually hooked up systems to their heads so that when they go into ecstasy, they could study them. It's the only time we've ever seen a human being using 100% of their minds, of their brains, become active during these apparitions, something we cannot explain at all. But when we pray the rosary, it actually illuminates our mind to see the truth of who we are and who God is and how we should live our lives on this earth. So I just want to offer three quick reasons on why to pray the rosary every day. Number one, I've never met somebody who prays the rosary daily who's lost their faith. It just doesn't happen. First, you stop praying the rosary because you stop losing your faith in that, and then little by little, the faith grows. I've met people who've gone through the, the worst times in their life, but when they've held on to the rosary, they never lost faith in Christ, and there's a very real, real reason for that. All the apostles abandoned Jesus when he went up to Calvary, right? Jesus went up to Mount Tabor to be transfigured in order to strengthen their faith for Calvary, and yet every single one of them fled the cross, except who? John. But John cheated because he was holding Mary's hand and she wouldn't let him go. And that's what happens when we're praying the rosary. Mary holds our hands to keep us at the foot of the cross with Christ to not flee when suffering comes. She will protect your faith. Number two, you'll never be comfortable in sin. We are tempted most to sin when we lose faith in God. And his promise. And so we start looking for our fulfillment here and now. What Mary always said in Fatima and all her apparitions is that in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. Mary has an immaculate heart, which means it's very sensitive to sin. And she said that more more souls will go to hell in the 20th century due to sins of the flesh than any other sin. And what happens is when we pray the rosary, she keeps our hearts pure. So that even if I'm falling into sin, which we all do, I will never justify it. I'll never stay there. You must never think that by praying the rosary, you will not fall into sin. It still happens. But if you pray the rosary every day, what I promise you is that you will never stay in your sin. I will never justify the evil that I do if I have Mary's Immaculate Heart in my heart. And lastly, she draws us into contemplation of her son. We are meant to contemplate the mystery of Jesus Christ, just like the the apostles on Mount Tabor. And that's exactly what this does. Just like the mystics who in these visions are illuminated in their minds to 100% of their brain capacity when they're gazing upon the Blessed Virgin Mary, she does the same thing. She rewires and illuminates our own minds in the contemplation of the life death and resurrection of her son. It's one of the greatest ways to grow in intimacy with Jesus Christ. So as a resolution, if anything, I encourage every one of us to carry the rosary with you. Even if you want to look like Madonna and put it around your neck, although some would say it's justifiable, whatever you have to do, you carry it in your pocket, you put it around your neck, you carry it in your hand, but carry a rosary with you. St. Padre Pio, who was beaten by demons almost every single night when he went to sleep, would ask for his weapon before he got into bed. And it was the holy rosary he would hold in his hand. 
He said he prayed up to 50 full rosaries every single day. But he called it his weapon. We must always have our weapon with us. Number two, if you don't pray the rosary right now, just try praying one decade a day. Just start with one decade. If you're really pathetic as a human being, just do one rosary, one Hail Mary a day. That's it, and that's okay. I'm joking. That's not too pathetic. We all start somewhere. But then try to go for one rosary a day. If you already are accustomed to praying the rosary time to time, make that resolution when you're driving, when you're walking, or just sitting with our Lord. One rosary a day. Life is a battle, and the greatest thing that is at stake in that battle is the loss of our faith. And the greatest weapon we have to protect our faith in this time of waiting, in this time of challenge, is the hand of our Blessed Mother. If we hold on to her, she will keep us faithful to him in life all the way till death. And our citizenship in heaven will be retained. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.